And I think you're going to have a situation with like Odell and Jarvis in Cleveland, right? Baker did way better and the Browns did way better when Odell was out. But now when there's like Jarvis and Odell, it's like it's almost too much and they kind of hurt each other in a sense. And Baker played worse and the Browns played worse. And I think that same situation is going to happen in Tennessee. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the next edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. I am your host, Nathan, along with... Nick, I was out last week, um, but I'm back at it this week along with Nick. Today, we are going to give our final mock drafts of the NBA because that is coming up next Thursday already, believe it or not. So we finished the season and just like that, we're talking about next season. And we got another we got another division to knock off in the our NFL division prediction series that we're doing. And so today we're going to do the the AFC South, but I guess I want to first hear what you got to say about the NBA Finals. Obviously, it started off the way we thought it would with the Suns going. We both picked the Suns. You picked them in 5, I picked them in 7, but the Bucks uh seemed to find find the uh, extra gear there and went four straight. What what are your quick one minute thoughts there? Yeah, nailed the number of games with six, but not the right team. Just went the wrong way on that one. It was just, may not have been the most exciting series just because we've been so indoctrinated to chase superstars. Not that Giannis and Chris Paul in their own rights aren't superstars, but they just weren't those marquee names that we've always chased after or watched. For me, it was nice to see teams built from the ground up and not just thrown together in one off season and just well, we're, we're going to put together and try to make it happen. So for me, it was nice to see the return of, A, the big man dominating down low or using athleticism to take advantages of weaknesses, not relying on the three ball, and just teams being built from the ground up. Those were the things I took away from the NBA Finals that I really enjoyed about it. And just, just a nice ring back to, I guess, simpler times before the super teams became a more prevalent thing. What were your takes, Nathan? You know, the last two years just in sports in general, but specifically the NBA has been crazy. You know, we had that break with COVID and then the bubble, and it allowed a team like the Miami Heat to make the finals, who clearly weren't the best team in the East. But because it was a young squad that was focused, led by Jimmy Butler, and just this this, this young squad who really didn't have fam- too much family and um, – wives and kids is just they were able to make to have that focus and and they stayed healthy and decided that bubble and got so far into the finals this year with the two teams you know the heat and the lakers who made the finals had the shortest rest and they were bounced in the first round this year at the end of the day you know it's the healthiest team won right the bucks have been the healthiest team all year they had a lot of rest because they were bounced early last year in the playoffs in the quarterfinals 
And so they had plenty of rest, plenty of prep. I mean, they were the best team in the East last year. They were super talented and the most healthiest. They just didn't perform, so they got a lot of rest. Um, obviously, Giannis had a chip on his shoulder with two back-to-back MVPs. So it makes a lot of sense now that I go back to think about it, hypothetically. Okay, I see why they won. But at the end of the day, the healthiest team won. Really, if everybody was healthy, I would bet my bottom dollar this would be a Nets-Lakers final still, as we had projected it would be. But, you know, obviously the Lakers battled a lot of injuries. I think there were some distractions with Space Jam and everything else with LeBron as well. Then on top of that, you know, the the Nets (laughs) had at least three or four people injured all the time, and they were just a quarter inch away to uh, beating the Bucks um, right before the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So... To me, it was just a matter of who stayed the healthiest. I, I don't mean to be a downer here. You bring up a lot of good points. It's nice to see a team built from the ground up. I get it. But this was a one-off year. I don't think it's going to really happen again. I think you're going to see the teams like the Lakers and the Nets kind of be here next year. That's proven time and time again. And in normal circumstances, that team sort of team does win so i give bucks a lot of credit Giannis played his a uh, hard out well deserved but in all honesty i just think it's a one-off year and um you're probably going to see a super team be in the finals next year it'll be interesting to see how things goes with that but let's take a sidestep from the nba for right now we'll come back to it towards the end with the mock draft but let's jump into the nfl last week we took a break from looking at the divisions this week we're going to jump into the afc south So, Nathan, I'm going to let you start it off with the AFC South. What team are we going to look at first, looking at the AFC South? Yeah, so I'm going to start off with the the Tennessee Titans. They've added a weapon right in Julio Jones. I wasn't overly thrilled with their their drafting and maybe outside Julio Jones their offseason. But I think Tennessee is a um, try to do too much for their own good. It's a team that I... I had predicted they would decline from the previous year to last year, and that was correct. I mean, they went to the AFC Championship, and I felt like they took a step back, even though, I mean, they did make the playoffs. But they kind of underwhelmed in the playoffs. And I have them taking another step back this year, I think, even though with the addition of Julio Jones. A.J. Brown, an up-and-rising wide receiver in this league, and I almost think bringing on Julio Jones is really going to hurt that team because – AJ was starting to become and figure out himself in this team and really be a top five wide receiver, in my opinion, in this league. And now you bring on a guy that's a veteran that wore the same number (laughs) as him. You already got some like tension there, in my opinion. I mean, maybe they're not going to admit it publicly, but it's just like, oh, you're just going to come in here, you know, take my number. Um, This was my, you know. I was going to be the leading wide receiver on this team, you know, and I just feel like it's when a company maybe releases a new product too soon and it hurts the previous product when they weren't quite at the peak of sales. I forget the term for that. I learned it in school, but I forget the term off the top of my head, but I think that's what happens here. It's like they're bringing in Julio Jones. I think you're just, you brought in that guy too soon. And I think it's going to hurt AJ and his confidence. Julio, I think is a little past his prime. And I think you're going to have a situation with like Odell and Jarvis in Cleveland, right? Baker did way better and the Browns did way better when Odell was out. 
But now when there's like Jarvis and Odell, it's like it's almost too much, and they kind of hurt each other in a sense. And Baker played worse, and the Browns played worse. And I think that same situation is going to happen in Tennessee. So I think they have another step back, even though, you know, even though they have more weapons, I don't think it's quote unquote the right weapons. What are your thoughts on Tennessee? Tennessee last year, having a guy like Mike Vrabel that's very defensive oriented, it was perplexing how many points they would give up or how their defense just had the inability to stop people. It just didn't seem they had that put together. This offseason, they tried to address it by bringing in Dupree and Autry from their division rival, bringing in a few defensive backs. But like you said, I don't know that they addressed it very well in this offseason, that defensive side that was really missing it. And then offensively, they let go of some pretty good pieces for them. Corey Davis was an excellent two to A.J. Brown's one. And Gianna Smith was awesome at getting those receptions and making the best of a situation, helping the team out. So losing those pieces, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. They're going to rest on the back of Derrick Henry, but the question becomes, how long can he carry that big load? Time has shown that those bodies start to show their age. They start to slow down a little bit more. I know Henry's game isn't predicated on speed, but how many more times are you going to be able to run a guy over and still have that same force? So Tannehill is going to have to really start. It's funny to say that the quarterback's going to have to try to lessen the load for Derrick Henry to still be that effective guy. I feel like they've done pretty good since Brable's been there in managing that. So I don't have them taking a tremendous step back, mostly because I don't have much faith in the division in general. So that kind of gives a precursor to how things are going to go. But yeah, they won it last year. This team, I feel like has figured out ways to stay competitive with the other team, I believe, is the top of this division, which leads us next to the Indianapolis Colts. What are your thoughts on them, Nathan? I'm a I'm a big fan of the Colts. Uh, I think this is probably the unpopular opinion, but I think they got this deal with Carson Wentz. Uh, I think they got the deal there. You know, as a Philly fan, I don't know what you think about all of that, but uh, um, they really didn't give up that much for a guy that was an MVP caliber quarterback not too long ago, who during that year before he got hurt, his offensive coordinator is now the head coach of the team he's currently on. I do like this relationship. I think it's going to work. Indy has a fantastic offensive line as opposed to Philadelphia. Um, I think it could be a very dangerous team. It's a team that snuck into that got into the playoffs of Philip Rivers last year. A uh, Philip Rivers was probably one of the most careless quarterbacks last year. I don't know if you if you guys watched any of the games, but he was he was having a ball. You knew it was his last year. He was just slinging it, flinging it. He really could care less, and they still made the playoffs, even though he really didn't have that good of a year. I think Carson Wentz has a chip on his shoulder. I think the head coach believes in him because he remembers the MVP caliber season in Philly not that long ago when they won the Super Bowl. So I like this team. I, I like the direction they're going. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Indianapolis Colts losing Rivers wasn't the major blow, but they've been doing the best they can and try to fill in that gap since Andrew Luck retired. So I feel like Frank Reich has done a phenomenal job of doing that. I feel like he's built a system where quarterbacks can come in and find some level of success and where they can be a competitive team. They have 
done a great job, as we mentioned, with the Suns and Bucks of building the foundation. I feel like the Colts did a really good job of building the foundation. The question this season for me is how well do they replace Costanzo? Costanzo was a staple of that offensive line. Do they have the right people in the place? Did they bring the right people in to help fill that in? I know they brought in a few free agents, most notably Eric Fisher, to try to fill that gap. But how well does that work? I do feel like for Carson Wentz, this was the best situation to go into. Going back to the man that has faith in you, because that's that seemed to be the indication in Philadelphia. The coaching room lost faith in him. He didn't feel like they had his back. So Carson didn't feel like he wanted to be or he's wanted there. Trade happened. Like you said, Colts got a really great deal for this. A guy that's still fairly young, a guy that was successful under Reich's system. So I feel like Carson's in a better situation here. So I do think the Colts have potential to do well. It's just, what are we going to see from Carson Wentz? Are things going to go well? And can they fill that gap with Costanzo retiring? What is that going to look like? And that's really where the question marks for me happen with the Colts is, how well does that O-line hold up? Because the last thing you want to see, being a fan of Philadelphia, the last thing you want to see is Carson Wentz having to scramble. If he chooses a scramble because there's a nice opening, that's a whole different situation. But if he's doing it out of necessity, that's where you run into trouble, and that's where you don't have him on the field. And you don't have Brissett there to come back him up. So I just feel like that quarterback position, yes, they got someone younger, someone that does have higher ceiling than where Rivers was at at this point in his career. But without the depth, losing the offensive line, it makes me wonder how well is that going to shake out for them. Moving on next to a team that, quite frankly, is the reason why we held off on the AFC South up to this point, the Houston Texans. Nathan, what are you thinking about them? Yeah, I think regardless of who's at quarterback at this point, I don't have high hopes for them. Even if Deshaun is the quarterback, there's going to be way too many um, distractions with his off-the-field um Legal issues he's dealing with. Um, obviously, a brand new coach that has zero coaching experience. They've traded away basically all their talent, so it's they're just in rebuilding mode. Even with Des- Deshaun Watson, this is going to be a very underwhelming team. Um, so that's that's all I really have to say. Not looking forward to uh, the Texan season. Yeah, for a long time, will Deshaun play or won't he play? And regardless of what happens, I agree. This team is a dumpster fire. O'Brien just tore this roster apart, did not leave anything in the cupboard, cleaned it out completely. Empty fridge equals years of rebuilding. You, a lot of people have walked, a lot of draft capital was lost. So the additions they put in, they tried to fill in certain things, but there was no home runs this offseason when they added different people. They tried to bring in Mar- they tried to bring in a plethora of running backs because David Johnson isn't quite the back he used to be, which when that trade happened, head scratcher in itself try and bring in Ingram and Lindsey. Ingram's getting long in his career. Lindsey sometimes has trouble staying on the field, bringing in different linebackers, cornerbacks, and never really addressing the offense because, quite frankly, they're going to have Tyrod there to try to fill the gap for whoever I think they're going to look at the draft next season for a top pick. The reasons they didn't go for it this year, because the Deshaun thing wasn't quite at the peak of what it was now. Whatever happens with that, it's just... They're, they have to get ready to move on with the quarterback. And this year, it's just going to, if you're a Houston fan, just don't expect high winning percentage. You're just not going to have that many wins this season. I'm just not seeing that coming from them. 
So David Culley is going to have a rough first year. Hopefully they give him another year to kind of work it out to show improvement. But this year should not be the year you look at to decide if he's a good head coach or not. And then our last team of this division would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nathan, Urban Meyer, first year at the helm. What are you thinking? You're going to see the most wild and consistent team in the league this year. I think there's going to be these games. You're like, whoa, they look good. Like just Urban's coming up with these unique, intelligent plays that just utilizes um, Lawrence and ETN and just that offense and that defense well, and just really exploit teams. And, and you're, and you look, and they look super impressive. And then I think there's going to be games where you look at them. They're going to be like, they just they just won by 20 points last game. Now they're getting beat by 20 points to a lesser talented team. Like they're going to be the most confusing team. I feel like they're going to look super impressive one week and super disappointing the next week. Because I think Urban is he's a smart coach. He's a good coach. Clearly he's successful everywhere he's been. And I think he's going to bring a lot of new, fresh, unique ideas. Some are going to work. Some aren't going to work. And his first year is kind of that testing process. And I feel like that's that's how their season's going to go. They're going to have these games where the times where they do work, they're going to look super good. And the times where it doesn't look, they're going to look super bad. So that's kind of my overall prediction. I think I think they're going to kind of be the most like unpredictable team of the season, and it's it's going to team be a team I'm going to stay away from if if I was going to bet on anything. If this was 2020 season, it'd be easy to say Jacksonville Jaguars are going to hit rock bottom. They're going to tank because that's what they did. They won the first game and lost the next 15. This season will be a slight improvement, um, adding the talent and just teams not being able to prepare to see what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to roll out in terms of offense or schemes that they're going to do. So I feel like this is kind of like when a rookie quarterback starts, it takes teams a few games to start figuring them out. And then their rocket high numbers start coming back down to earth. They start averaging out, they start evening it out and you get more of an idea of what they are. So like you said, there are going to be games where you do see wild success. They have these amazing plays or they come out with this victory that we didn't see coming. But overall, I just don't see them really landing on the map yet. This is this is not a team that's going to be a playoff team by any stretch. Spoiler. There's still more building pieces they need to do. Uh, yes, they got a quarterback that could be the future in Lawrence, but you have to make sure you're putting in the right situation and taking care of him. That way you have a future. I think it could be the start of something, but I don't know that Urban is going to be that guy that's going to really lead them to playoff hopes. But time will tell. So now let's look at what our win projections will be. In fourth place in division, Nathan, who do you have for the fourth place in the division? I have the Houston Texans fourth place. The over-under here is five wins. I have them way under. Obviously, this really depends on who's the quarterback. But even if Deshaun's the quarterback, I really don't see this team winning more than five games. Um, I have them at the worst team in the league this year at 2-15. and 15. I do think Deshaun ends up not playing, um, whether he's traded or he sits out or, or, or whatever happens. Even if he does play, it's not going to be the Deshaun Watson that we know of. So I have them going 2-15. and 15. I also have the Texans as the fourth-place team this season. Like you said, the over-under is 5. I have them under 5 as well. I'm giving them 3 just out of mercy, not because I'm really convinced that 
they're going to get three. Two does sound like a nice number, but I'm just going to say three simply because I I feel like there's going to be a team that falls asleep or they just just have that crazy game that they end up putting together because Tyrod has had potential in the past to do that. I don't know that he has much of that left, but I'm going to say three for this one. So not too far off of what you're saying. Who do you have third for the division, Nathan? I got Jacksonville, the over under here six. Um, I'm actually just going to, this is one I'm going to pass on because I have them at six. It's, so I, I'm not even going to bet on it. Like I won't even bet on any of their games this year. I think it's going to be the most unpredictable team. I think one of the Houston's two wins this year are going to be against Jacksonville. And, and it's going to be one of those weird losses for Jacksonville where they probably lose by two touchdowns to Houston. Um, I do think Jacksonville can rack up a few wins and and get and get at least six here. Um, I'm going to stick with six though. I think the AFC is a very strong division this year, so I think it's going to be a, a tough a tough road for them. But um, I got them even at six, which is what their over under is. I also have the Jacksonville Jaguars as third in division under man, still wor- working the rebuild. While the other two teams on the other side uh, towards the top of the division are teams that are a little more established, have more things going for them. So I have Jacksonville also third in division. I have them only getting five wins. So Texans, I had one more than you, and now I have the Jaguars one less. Just like you said, I think it's going to be up and down, really hard to gauge where the consistency will be this year. And there's going to be some wins that are like for surprises. And there's going to be head-scratching losses. Like, like you were saying, when I was going through trying to figure out where the wins and losses were, I do have the Jags and Texans potentially splitting them. So. Now comes the part of second division. I feel like based on our overview of the teams, I think this might be different, but we'll see. Who do you have second in division, Nathan? I have the Tennessee Titans second place. I think they I think they don't make the playoffs uh, this coming year. Um, I, I have them winning 10. Uh, their over-under is 9.5, so I'm not the only one that's thinking they're going to take a step back this year. 9.5 um, wins for a 17-game schedule for a team that just added Julio Jones has made the playoffs the last two years. I think I think it's uh, understood that they're going to take a step back. They feel like they're digressing. Um, so surprisingly, I'm going to be taking the over here at 10-7. and 7. When you have Jacksonville and you have Houston in your division, that helps a lot. It's probably the weakest division in football, at least the, the bottom half is. I have Jacksonville and Houston being two of probably the worst four teams in the league this year i think that's what well it's that i think nine and a half is quite low it's a lot lower than i thought it was going to be being in a weak division so i think they do get the over but i still think they're more of a disappointing team and they miss the playoffs i actually have the indianapolis colts as second in the division with 10 wins simply because i'm just not sure what we're going to get with carson is what makes me leads me to 10 and actually that's what they're over and under over under is at is at 10 wins so i'm gonna agree with the over and under on this i'm just gonna have the colts there with 10 wins so that leads us to having differing division champs so i'll go ahead with the titans i actually have them at 11 wins i think the sustainability of derrick henry he will pull them through to get the 11 wins i think early on the julio aj brown dynamic is going to be a little tumultuous, but nothing we'll see out on the papers or on the headlines. I think they work that out and figure it out, understanding what kind of quarterback Tannehill is and figuring out the system. It's something that's been established. So because they're the more established team, I actually have them getting 11 wins this year. 
just repeating what they did last year with one more loss because of the 17 games. So I have the Titans winning the division. You have the Colts, Nathan. What's the Colts win total for you? Yeah, I have the over, obviously, since I have them winning, and I have them at 11 wins, actually. So we got 10, 11 wins, just different teams here. I, I kind of said it already, and I'll say it again. I think Carson Wentz is going to have a resurrecting season, potentially candidate for comeback player of the year. I, I like I like the fit. I like the offensive line, the weapons, the coaching. I, 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 just, I just like the situation he's in, and he, he's clearly shown he's an MVP caliber quarterback in this league. I don't think that just magically goes away. I also don't think it was a fluke um, because he kind of showed that previously. He was kind of getting to that point. I, I like the Colts. I like this organization. They're built well. They're strong. I, I felt like, uh, I mean, they made the playoffs last year. Probably one of the most talented wildcard teams in the, in the playoffs, in my opinion. I think Philip Rivers was playing very carelessly. They, I think they just barely lost to the Bills there in that opening round. So I think the, I think it was a 27-24 uh, game there, and they just barely lost. So um, it's a very good football team, and I think Carson Wentz will um, will we'll win that division and be, and the Colts will be a host in a playoff game. Very good. That's what our views are on the AFC South. Now we'll finish up here with our mock NBA draft. We gave one earlier. It was just the top five picks just right after the lottery had been established on who was in what order. So Nathan and I are going to give our lottery picks. So that would be picks one through 14 here. So Nathan, since the last time we talked, we both had an individual at the number one pick. Did your number one pick change? Absolutely not, Kate Cunningham going to the Pistons. I'll bet every cent I have on that. And I agree as well. Kate Cunningham, pick number two. I think I have a change here. I have Jalen Green going uh, uh, to the Rockets. I this is this is how I do mock drafts. I, I look at the face. I picture him in the jersey. It's kind of weird. I mean, I look at what needs they need to fill, um, number one. But number two, I just... I just try to see the player, and um, I initially had Suggs in this spot, but he's—I can't picture that. I picture Jalen Green, and plus he's a shooting guard. They lost Victor Oladipo. They've lost James Harden the past year. They need a shooting guard. I think this is um, a very obvious choice here, and um, I have him going to the Rockets. I also have Green going here. Pick number three. Uh, this one doesn't change for me. I have Evan Mobley out of the US, uh, USC. Um, Another another player that I just I just see in a Cavs jersey. I mean, I know it sounds really weird. I mean, they need they need a center. They need height. They lost Drummond uh, to the Lakers, so um, obviously need to fill that position. I I feel like their 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 backcourt is a, is um they have some talent there that they can build off of. Kevin Love's getting old. They lost Drummond, so. I think it's a very a very good pick for them. Evan Mobley. I'm 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 super confident in my top three. I have Evan Mobley as well. So moving on to number four, Toronto Raptors. Who do you have? Now this is where I have Jalen Suggs, and and this this makes more sense. I initially had the Rockets, but I'm really confident in the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry, I believe this is this is his free agent year. Get Suggs. Kyle Lowry's not going to come back. I think the Lakers are going to make a big push. Him, if they don't get Chris Paul, they're going to make a big push for Kyle Lowry. I don't know. Lowry might be a free agent this year. I'm not sure. If he is or if he isn't, his days are numbered in Toronto. I I just I can picture Suggs in a Raptors uniform. I think you're going to have to find that replacement for Lowry ASAP and Jalen Suggs the guy. I completely agree. I think Jalen Suggs 
will be best suited for the Toronto environment. So I have him there at number four as well. Pick number five, Orlando Magic. Who do you have? Man, are we going to disagree on anything, man? Um, I have Jonathan Kaminga out of the Congo going here. Um, I initially had the Magic getting, I believe, the Florida State guy here. I think his name was Scotty Barnes. Um, yes, Scotty Barnes. I initially had him getting picking him up here. I think Scotty has dropped a bit in the draft. They're going to get this guy, Kaminga, out of the Congo um, they need to fill their big guys. You know, they they trade away two of their big guys last season. That's where they need to fill in the gaps. This is one step closer to filling those gaps. Um, when we first did this mock draft version one, I said Kaminga. I'm sticking with Kaminga for number five for the Magic. Number six. This is a new this new territory. Oklahoma City. Who do we ha- who do you have going for Oklahoma City? Now this may be a little bit of a surprise. I don't know if this is an overdraft a bit, but I think this is the steal of the draft. I think he's underrated. He's a baller. And I have Davion Mitchell out of Baylor going here to OKC. I feel like it's somewhat local. Um, pick here. Uh, Baylor, obviously, Texas going to Oklahoma. I feel like you get that. That local guy is going to be huge that knows the area well. He played lights out in the tournament. A fantastic player compared to people like Donovan Mitchell, compared to people like uh, Dwayne Wade. I don't know why he's not higher in some of these drafts, um, mock drafts, but I, I think he's a fantastic guy. I think he's a perfect fit in OKC, and I have Davion Mitchell out of Baylor going to the, the Thunder. And this is where the disagreement begins. I have Scotty Barnes actually going here for Oklahoma City. they just looking for players. He did well in the tournament, so... They look to fill a need at guard. Well, they they have many needs, but they look to start to fill those needs at guard with Scotty Barnes, number six for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number seven, Golden State Warriors. Who do you have at number seven for the Golden State Warriors? I got the Duke uh, freshman, Jalen Johnson, who uh, opted out in midseason. I got him going to the Warriors. Um, Point guard and shooting guard, they don't really need any help. So... Uh, strong forward and up, I think, is where they need to go. So they get they have the luxury of having two high picks in this draft, um, seven and fourteen, and I think they get height. So and they got their center last year. So I think a shooting forward and a power forward, what they're going to go after. So I got Jalen Johnson shooting forward out of Duke. Don't know much about him because he didn't play that much, but I mean he was a five star recruit out of high school going to Duke. So obviously has the potential. Uh, and so, and, and lately, Duke freshmen have been playing fantastic in the NBA from Jason Tatum to Zion Williamson, uh, RJ Barrett, who had a pretty good season with the Knicks this year. So, um, I think dropping a Duke player, not I'm not saying it's because I'm a Duke fan, but um, I, I just think it's it's shown lately that Duke freshmen have have succeeded quite soon in the NBA, at least as of late. Well, your reach one pick ago is, it was a reach, but only by one pick. I have Davion Mitchell actually going number seven to the Warriors. Um, I like what he has, what he can bring to the table, and I think the Warriors end up snagging him here at this position. Pick number eight, Orlando Magic also has two picks, both lottery picks, just like the Warriors. Who do you have the Magic taking with their second pick at pick number eight? Yeah, so my first mock draft, when they were number five, I had them against Scotty Barnes. 
But I actually haven't given you Scotty Barnes at number eight. I think it's just another big guy that they need to fill that gap of uh, losing Vujicic and losing um, Gordon, I believe his name was. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. The guy that went to the Nuggets. They need to replace that height. And, and I think Scotty Barnes, Florida, Florida guy, I think he drops to them at eight, even though I had him going to five originally. I think they pick him up here at eight. And, uh, but yeah, that's my pick. Honestly, Magic can use any help. They they traded away the farm last season, so it's just it's what it is. So anything they can get, honestly. Well, with Orlando Magic, I have them taking James Bunite or Bounite. Sorry if I mispronounce your name. But sophomore from UConn, like Nathan alluded to, they unloaded a lot last year just knowing that the they needed to blow up the roster, start over. So I believe that's where they go with that based on who's left. They're going to go with James Bunite just to hopefully get them – some some versatility give them some just give them a spark to get that franchise going again so that's who i have for number eight number nine sacramento kings nathan who do you have them taking i have them taking a shooting guard as well but a different one i've got him brandon boston jr out of kentucky uh kings typically go after kentucky players historically so um I'm going to keep that trend. That's the trend here. That's my logic on this pick. Uh, I, I do agree with you. Shooting guard is what's going to be picked here, but I got the Kentucky guy, Brandon Boston Jr. I have the Kings going with someone a little different than that. Actually, I have them going with someone in the SEC, but not from Kentucky, from Tennessee. I have them going with Keon Johnson. He was a freshman this last year, a guard. Sacramento, like many other teams, are just trying to find that identity. I think Keon Johnson is where they start to try to start the youth of their draft. Number 10, New Orleans Pelicans. Who do you have them taking? I got the Pelicans getting Trey Mann out of Florida. Um, a point guard here. I think that's where that's where they need to fill. Um, they lost Drew Holiday last year. Uh, they traded him to the Bucks. I feel like Lonzo Ball's future in New Orleans is very bleak and doubtful. So those are two big-name guys that obviously you just won a championship in Milwaukee. Lonzo looks like he's out the door. You're going to have a pretty big point guard gap there. You got to get a point guard there. Um, you got to make sure all your bases are covered because you got to make Zion happy. So I got Trey Man out of Florida going to New Orleans. This may be a bit of a reach, but I do think they go guard. But I think they're going to go with the – First Michigan player to go off the board. I think they're going to take Franz Wagner. I believe he'll go t- with them and just help solidify that guard position, help bring some stability to it. Because I don't believe, like you said, Ball is the long-term solution there. He's on his way out. So start with a young guy that can just hopefully energize and help elevate Williamson or help Williamson's game continue to elevate in the league and help that team find its footing to keep him a- keep. Williamson on the roster. Number 11, we have the Charlotte Hornets. Who do you have them taking? Yeah, this is the one that I have no idea because the Hornets always pick a player that I'm I'm always scratching my head. I'm like, what? You know, that Frank Kaminsky pick, I was like, what? A few years ago. So, um, yeah, I just don't know what Michael Jordan's going to do here. So this is my random pick. Um, so I'm going to pick a guy that I can't pronounce his name. I'm going to pick a guy that I've never heard of before. Freshman out of Stanford. I'm going to guess his name is Zaire. Zaire or Zaire? I'm sorry, Mr. Williams, but 
you're going to go to the Pelicans, or I'm sorry, the Hornets, because I have no idea who they're going to draft, because I never do. So that's just my random pick. That was my logic there. Well, mine was a random pick as well. I think he's going to look overseas for this one. Um, when we spin the wheel, where does it land on in international players? For the Hornets, they end on Josh Giddy. Sorry if I didn't say your last name right. But I think they take Josh Giddy. I think that's where they go. Shrug shoulders, maybe. Number 12, Nathan, who do you have the San Antonio Spurs taking? Well, you almost made me giddy a little bit on that one because I actually have Giddy going to the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs are known for drafting um, overseas players. Um, they've been very successful at it. So why not continue that? I do think um, they need to build in the front court more. So, I mean, so like, um, so I know he's a shooting forward. I He's uh Got a lot of height. I think he's going to fill in the gaps there that they need and help that Spurs team to hopefully get back to the playoffs like they, they are known for doing. But Spurs, Australian overseas player, I that's my logic there. I like this. Yeah, I already used up Giddy, so I can't go too much in the international, although there are plenty to choose from. A team that was high on when we did the bracket challenge, the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm going to go with Moses Moody. DeRozan is getting older, and having someone to compliment him will hopefully help the Spurs find their way back into the playoffs. They were close this year and just faltered towards the end. So I think this would be a pick that would help them get back on that track and get popped back into the playoffs. Number 13, we have the Indiana Pacers. Who do you have the Pacers taking here in this spot? I've got the German out of the University of Michigan, Franz Wagner, going to the Pacers. Uh, perfect fit here. Um, this is one outside of my top three. I am guaranteeing it's going to happen. Well, obviously I disagree because I have him going a few picks ago. So number 13 for the Pacers, I actually have them taking an individual. You said earlier, I have them taking Jalen Johnson at this spot. The Pacers are looking for someone to carry the torch small forward seem to be the position where ignites a team so to speak for some franchises and the Pacers, Pacers will look at this position and take Jalen Johnson who's available at this point in the draft at the number 13 pick pick number 14 Golden State's second pick and our last pick of the lottery picks that we're going to go over in this podcast who do you have them taking yeah first off I want to be surprised the 76ers get this pick I see potential Warriors going after Ben Simmons and may trade away one of these picks. They won't trade away the seven if they trade any of them. Well, it'll be 14. So watch out for that pre-draft. But assuming Warriors have it, I got them getting Kai Jones out of Texas. Actually, I got to watch this guy play when I went to the Final Four, um, the, the championships in Indiana for the NCAA March Madness. I, I Once again, I, I alluded it to it before. I think they need to work more on that front court, not the back court. Uh, power forward out of Texas just to be there uh, to give James Wiseman some more support in that front court. Um, Jalen Johnson's a shooting forward. I think they're going to get a number seven overall. Um, so to help um, that uh, the backcourt a little bit more. So anyways, I've got long story short, Kai Jones out of Texas going to the Warriors. And for number 14, like Nathan alluded to, I can see the Warriors looking at maybe dealing out this pick as well, whether it's 76ers or not, I'm not sure, but I could see them trading out of this. But if they don't, I or whoever goes in the spot, actually have them 
and I'm going to slaughter his name, but he's a Turkish player that's 6'10". Uh, so presumably playing forward, maybe some some center in today's league, and that'll be Alperen Seguin, Seguin, Seguin. I don't know. That's that would be my pick for number fourteen. If the Warriors stay put there, they need some depth in their forward slash center department. This would be a center for the Warriors team how it's currently constructed. So I believe that's where they'll go. They'll try to get this Turkish player, try to bring him from overseas to try to give more depth to their roster. That's who I have them taken at the number 14 pick. So we're going to apply the same rules as we did with the NFL draft. Guess the player to the team, three points, or guess the player in the spot, three points. If you guess the player and the spot, it's five points. Within one position, it's two points within two positions worth one point. So very confusing scoring system, but don't worry. We know how it's done, and uh, we'll see who wins, uh, Nick or I. So I believe, Nick, you beat me in the NFL draft. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so, but it was only by like a point or two. So it wasn't like I had an easy endeavor with it. <laughs> so we'll see how this one goes. All right, and that's going to conclude it. We took a look at our final thoughts of the NBA Finals, AFC South, and then we did our NBA mock draft, which we'll have posted here around the time that we get this podcast posted. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are the Sports Forecasters, Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll see you next time.